Hello. As we head into the last week of Feed, Play, Love for the year, we thought we'd give you a little Christmas prezi. The Dad Kit is a babyology podcast that takes a peek into the minds of famous fathers. Hosted by dad of twins, Sean Zepps, it's usually only available on Spotify, but here for you today. Merry Christmas. This episode is a very interesting chat with musician and dad of two, Guy Sebastian, about how he manages to be a hands-on dad even when he's on the road. If you want more after you hear this one, head over to Spotify to listen. Enjoy. All right, in Google, when you Google how to be a good dad, it says spend time with your child, discipline with love and positive parenting, be your child's role model, be your child's teacher, eat together as a family, respect the other parent. Okay, all right, I'm set. All right, I've got, yes, (laughs) I'm good. I'm a qualified dad now, Google qualified. Honey, I'm home. Hello, I'm Sean Zepps, and you are listening to the final episode of the very first season of The Dad Kit, a babyology podcast exclusive to Spotify. This is the show where we get under the hood of what's really going on in the minds of modern men. Each week, I spoke with a well-known Aussie dad, and through their experiences as bad joke tellers, we determined just how far we've traveled as a society when it comes to gender roles in the family. On today's 12th and final episode of the season, we're chatting with Guy Sebastian to determine if it's really true that men find it difficult to emotionally connect with their children. Guy is a new up-and-coming singer who, (laughs) that was fun to say, you already know him, you already love him. Since he won the first season of Australian Idol way back in 2003, Guy has had an insanely successful career as a musician. He's released nine top 10 albums, two number ones, six number one singles, and he's taken home a bunch of ARIA awards. He's basically almost as good of a singer as I am. You might have seen him on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon or maybe The Late Show with David Letterman. And if not, you've definitely seen him represent Australia at the 2015 Eurovision Song Contest. And in between writing and singing and performing and representing our country, he also had time to judge Australia's The X Factor and The Voice. Oh, and did I mention that he's actually a dad? Him and his uber-talented wife, stylist, TV presenter, and philanthropist, Jules Sebastian, have two beautiful sons together. Hudson, who is eight, and Archer, who is six. One last thing before we begin. I am in a studio right now. I have fancy headphones and a fancy mic and a fancy little outfit. But I was not feeling so fancy when we originally recorded this, so you might notice some sniffles. Normally, I'd apologize, but listen, this is the parenting game, okay? No rest for the sick. I'm not going to apologize, so just enjoy, my friends. Let's do this thing. Guy, welcome. Thank you. That was quite an intro. (laughs) I have just been told my intro was good by Guy Sebastian. I'm hanging up the microphone. It's over. (laughs) It's very researched. (laughs) You know, we like to do our our due diligence here, you know, really Mm -hmm. make sure we understand who we're chatting with. And (laughs) I'm really interested to understand a little bit about your memories of your father from when you were a kid. Um, Well, my dad was... uh, is you know he's a geologist so so he traveled a lot and um mm-hmm. he he would kind of be like a month on month off um you know he'd spend a month on the oil rigs then he would come home and hang with us he was he was he is a great dad you know a really good dad and and um i think it's not until you become a father yourself that you 
realize that that um it is such an individual thing you know like mm. and 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 i i guess at the heart of being a father you're just doing the best you can you know um with you know what you're given i guess and and so my my dad passed on so many great things to me and and then um you know i i've got to then draw on my own um personality and my own um strength to to be as good a father as i can but he was yeah he was awesome i mean he he yeah he he wasn't the the most um like emotional person you know my dad kind of he he very rarely showed weakness you know and 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 i think it's more of a sign of the times um mm. it's funny because i i feel like and i always say this like i feel like i've um got to know my dad so much since becoming a dad myself and i guess he almost just suddenly let his guard down and started to um become a lot more human um to me because he he just i don't know he just suddenly stopped just being a, a, an authoritative figure and and I, I saw him as a human being who um you know because I, I look at myself and the things I navigate um you know through life with as you know with my job and everything else and now I look back on how he you know was doing the same thing and and it's it's a much more human thing to me now so yeah look I'm I'm very lucky I I had a very um loving dad and he just put us first in all you know all the ways that he thought was important and 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 his heart was definitely in the right place. Mm. You tap on something really interesting cuz I think of you um at least your public persona as well as your brothers as quite expressive emotionally connected men um and I'm sure a lot of that has to do mm. with what you guys do for a living but you're kind of painting a picture of a father very um common at that time, a little more tough, a little more strong, not emotional. And I'm really interested in then where did you get that from? Like, did your parents talk to you guys about expressing emotions or did that come through music? Well, I, I'd have to say, you know, even though this is about fatherhood, I'd, I'd have to say my mom, you know, my, my mom kind of, that they had a, a great dynamic because my dad sort of represented str- like this strength and this kind of stoic um, ability to just get through anything um, and and not show um, weakness, and and yet my mum would fall apart, and, and, you know, from, <laughs> for like emotionally with anything. It's a, she's from India, so it's um you know they watch a lot of Bollywood movies, and there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of emotion, and and um, I, I think I probably got a lot of that from my mother, and. Um, yeah, it, it's funny because I, I look back at the very few times I saw my dad get emotional, and um, you know, there's one time actually that that I remember he got emotional, and and it's it's just really vivid in in my mind because it was so rare, and and uh, um, it was something so trivial um, to to me when I look back on it, but I think it's really admirable, you know, uh, that he saw it as such a big deal and it was actually my my older brother forgot to pay a bill and um and we had like a it, it was back in the day where you could go to a place called radio rentals and you would sort of go on a payment plan and my brother got this stereo and he all he did was like forget you know to pay pay a couple of things and and there was a debt collector that came to our house and now my dad 
he was like, you do not owe anyone anything. Like you don't borrow, you, you always pay your debts and you always, um, you know, you always be true to your word. My, my, they, they were things that my dad was, was really strict and really strong about. And, and so the fact that a debt collector came to our house for, and, and I'm talking, it was like $13 or something. <laughs> then it was just a slip of the mind from my brother. But after this debt collector left, um, we all went inside, but, I was wondering where my dad was and I, and I remember looking for him and then I, I saw him outside in the car. Um, he, he'd gone outside and sat in the car and he burst into tears. And, wow. and it was almost like, like, like we had brought shame, uh, you know, like, like this debt had brought shame upon the Sebastian name. And um, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's funny. I, like I think when my dad did show emotion, it was always in, in, in the most kind of um, beautiful um, way, with with beautiful intent, and and um, he was strict, like he was he was he was fiery and strict, in, in you know, like he, he was big on on values, and and so so you know, I had that um, in my father, and then I had this this mother who had to hold the house together. Um, there were you know four boys, and and dad's away on oil, an oil rig for a month on month off, so she had a really tough job, but but I saw a very soft emotional side to uh, you know in my mum. So your mom's from India. Where's your father from originally? So he was born in Malaysia, and that's where I was born, actually. And, and so he, he travelled to India to study medicine at the time and ended up shifting. Um, his, his father passed away, and it was a quite traumatic thing for my dad. And, and, uh, and he um, ended up shifting over to geology as a result. And, and, um, but while he was in India studying, he met my mum. And my mum's, um, like, she's uh, very fair skin. Like she's like, um, Anglo Indian. So she's white with blue eyes. And, um, and I think my dad just, you know, saw this like white girl with blue eyes walking the streets of India and ended up stalking her and following her (laughs) and, um, (laughs) somehow, you know, uh, getting her attention and they ended up together. And, um, I mean, it, it was kind of like, it wasn't an arranged marriage, but, you know, back then it was, um, it, it, things were done very differently. He, he, um, was kind of like a, a billeting at their house. So a lot of students would um, stay in a local um, household and pay rent and uh, while they were studying, and that's what he did. But I think he only did it because he he um, saw um, where my mum lived and thought she was a bit of all right. So he saw it as an opportunity to try and court her um, while billeting at their house. Oh, I love it. So you move here when you are how old? You were younger than 10, right? Yeah, I was six years old, six and a half, when I moved in 1988. I moved to Australia and um, yeah, we originally moved to Melbourne and um, yeah, I did a couple of years of school. We lived in a suburb called Lilydale and um, out kind of just before all the wineries and stuff uh, in Victoria and and then moved to Adelaide and, and I remember being quite young and, I, you know, I'm pretty sure I probably, you know, still spoken a little bit of a, a, a Malay accent, like an Asian accent, and and, um, and then that started to kind of phase out and, and yeah, I developed a, a kind of a Bogan Adelaide accent at some point. <laughs> Amazing. So just in time, you got a couple more years to refine that accent, then you meet Jules. You guys are quite young. We were very young, yeah. How old were you guys? 
So I remember meeting Jules. Actually, the first mention of Jules um, was by my older brother. I, I, I wasn't, um, I was kind of in those, those like a young rebellious sort of age. Uh, you know, I was like 12 years old or 13 years old and my, my older brother used to go to this church down the road and he used to play in the band and um, and I, I I remember him coming home from youth group one time and he goes, oh, mate, you've got to come to this youth group. It's good. There's heaps of hot chicks. And, he, and I said, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, like there's this girl and there's this girl. And then he actually mentioned Jules. He goes, yeah, and there's this girl, Jules. She sings in the band and, yeah, she's tight, man. She's super tight. <laughs> the first weird creepy mention of, of Jules and then I ended up meeting her um, like she used to sing on stage and I was obviously like I was big into singing myself and um, we became very good friends and then fast forward a few years we ended up singing together at a friend's wedding and we had to sing a, a song by Brian McKnight and Mariah Carey called uh, Whenever You Call is oh, the yeah. song and s- sang it at a mutual friend's wedding and, and during the process of rehearsing and you know um you know getting the song uh ready we ended up kind of seeing something in each other and and started dating and, and you know it's been like 20 years now or something since then so. wow is there a moment in particular you know where you realize that this person is a person that you would want to parent with. And the reason I'm asking specifically that question is there's a lot of conversations about love at first sight. There's questions about destiny and all of those, uh, you know, are valid. And and I think you've even spoken about why, you know, Jules was the right one for you. Yeah. I I think becoming parents wasn't necessarily something that either of us thought about, you know, a lot. And, and it was actually almost a case of, Hey, we're kind of, getting to that age now where maybe we should start thinking about kids. And I know the thought of parenthood really scared Jules and it scared me because I, I knew I was quite transient at the time. My career meant that I had to, I was traveling a lot and I just didn't know how I would be able to, to, mm. to do what I do and be a good parent. And, and, and so I had this real fear that one would affect the other or, or, or I would just kind of have mm-hmm. to give up on my career, you know, to a certain extent. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd love to say that we had this great plan and we couldn't wait for kids, and but we, we just weren't that couple. We, we, um, we didn't realise, I guess, how much mm. we would be in love um, with parenthood until you know, Hudson came into the world and, and it, was, it was only at that moment where all of our fears and, and our anxieties about being a parent actually just disappeared because you, you are so infatuated and in love with this, um, you know, the, this thing that you've just brought into the, the world, this human that, that you've just, you know, um, you know, given life to and, 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 and there's no room for fear. You, you just kind of, um, yeah, you're just powering forward because you know that life's changed and you're now responsible for this little human being and and that you just need to make it work. By the time you have children, you're already deep into the spotlight. Everyone's aware of both of you. You have a really successful career. Um, 
how did you take what lessons you learned from your dad, which you were able to articulate just now for me beautifully, into parenting? Have you made sacrifices professionally to be around more? Or how how do you guys make it work in the home each day? Well, uh, you know what? It wasn't a decision. It, it was it's it just weirdly like my life changed just because I wanted to. Like I didn't want to be away mm. anymore for for lengthy periods of time. And, and uh, um I, I hate being away from my kids. Like I, I, I really do. Like I struggle um, with, with, you know, being away in hotel rooms and, um, you know, even though I'm doing what I love, there's this like kind of uh, this, this thing that I know I'm missing out on and it's, and it's, you know, more than just FOMO. It's, 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 um, it, it's kind of like almost like I'm not, I'm not, doing my job, you know, I'm not doing what I was yeah. put on this earth to do, uh, you know, as a parent. And, and so I just weirdly just made changes. Um, I didn't, yeah, just didn't think of it. I just, I just suddenly said to my team, I won't be away for more than two weeks. I, um, you know, like I, I would plan tours around school holidays and things like that. And, and, and it just, it just meant that I could, you know, for example, my first tour, I was away for three and a half months. Um, this is my first, oh, wow. as in my first tour after becoming a dad. And Jules joined me on most of that. I got this huge, like, motorhome bus thing and took Jules and little baby Hudson on, on, on tour. And, and it was a beautiful thing. It was such great memories that we made. And, and, you know, I took my camera and took the most beautiful shots of, of Hudson and Jules. And it, it was just this amazing marriage of like what I do for a living, um, uh, with, you know, mixed with my family. And, and it's strange that my, my focus just narrowed to to this really productive point where I realized that I, even though I was time poor from, you know, having a new family, I was making the most out of my time. Whereas before I, I had all this time to do stuff, like like I would play, you know, Xbox and I would, I would do, do all this stuff. Um, but but now I'm, I, I was so much more... Um, determined to make the most out of my time. So, so it's funny, my fears of like having to compromise my career were squashed pretty quickly because I realized that I was actually, um, I was being more productive and I was actually a lot more focused because suddenly my, the gears shifted from my career being about me and, and it shifted to be, you know, having a, this deeper meaning where I, everything I do at this point is now about my kids and my family and I need to not screw it up. You know, I need to make sure I'm a good mm. steward of my time. And so it made me a lot more focused and it just made me, I think, a little wiser with my time. I hear that story quite frequently. You know, all the ego just drifts far away. All of your internal struggles is eliminated. And what's in front of you is like this instinct, this natural human instinct, like I'm going to provide. And mm. when I'm not around, I'm going to use the, I'm going to make the best of the damn time because I know that I'm not there right now. Exactly. Well, you've got this renewed purpose. And it's funny because, we, you know, um, all a lot of my peers uh, it kind of gave me this grim um, view on, on fatherhood, like, like leading up to, to, um, Hudson being born, a lot of people uh, were saying, oh, you know, oh, good luck just, you know, p getting up and going to the movies or good, good luck, you know, playing Xbox or playing golf or doing this and that. And, 
And it's funny. It's like I never had that thought after having a kid because I would, I would, you know, sit in 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 the chair in in, in Hudson's room, rocking him to sleep, looking at at him almost in tears with how much I love him. And, and it wasn't like I was in that moment thinking, "Gee, I really wish I was shooting people on on Call of Duty right now." You know, like I, 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 I was, I was so encompassed in in loving him so much, and and I, I didn't have this, you know, weird, you know, like desire to suddenly go and, and watch the new Anchorman or something at the movies. I just wanted to be present, and um, so yeah, I think I guess once you become a a, a dad, you you. You do shift; it, it shifts, and 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 you don't feel like you're missing out on life. I, I didn't anyway, like, and I still don't. I, mm. I love the time that I spend with my kids. I obviously follow you and Jules online, and I get the sense from an outsider's perspective that you guys are both naturals. But I, I really got to ask, just because it will make me feel a little bit better about my life. Like, what has been the challenging parts for you? Did you feel like a natural right away? No, no. Um, I mean, it's funny, you do things so differently the second time around. So like with Archie, um, who's our, our second, he's, he's now six. Um, I, I was so chilled and I knew, I knew what battles uh, I would lose. And, and, you know, like, uh, I think it, it's, it's tough when you're a dad for the first time because, um, and this is just for me personally, and and I guess I guess that's kind of a disclaimer on everything I'm saying. I never come from a point of view, especially when it comes to parenting, that how I do it is is the right way or or, or the wise way. Mm. It's kind of just how I do it, and I, and I know everyone does it differently. But but I I struggled at the at the start to find my purpose in in his upbringing at the very beginning because when when they're a newborn they just want their mum and you try your level best to like settle them when they're crying and um and then the mum might take them and they stop crying and you take it so personally because you just want that child to bond with you and and you, I don't know I really struggled I would get angry like I, I was just not a great person on, on many occasions and and then um you know, when Archie came around, I, I just knew that there was going to come a time when suddenly it flips and, and dad's the hero and they love you. They just love their dad and they love playing with their dad. And so, yeah, I, I think it, it definitely had its challenges at the beginning. I, I, I was, yeah, I just didn't know what I was for and, and you know, in that mm. role. And, and then it suddenly just kind of shifted. It's so fascinating because it's a consistent story I hear, but it's not a story I hear in the media. It's like only when you're with mates talking about the experience privately do men open up and say, I felt useless, mm. really, truly useless for the first blank amount of months. And it really has a lot to do with that beautiful bonding that the feeding experience gives. There is this connection that you just have really missed out on in a big way. And for whatever reason, it's not talked about. It's you have just spent a lifetime focusing on yourself or your partner. And then in the flick of a switch, it's all about somebody else. And you have to like redefine how important am I in this? Yeah, exactly. And and, and I, think, I think also uh, it's important to talk about it because I feel like a lot of men... Um, they retreat like in that period they make almost quite permanent decisions to to almost retreat emotionally um 
fr- from trying to establish that connection. And then, and then if they, mm. you know, if, if they still are stuck in that mindset, it's hard for them to rekindle that, that desire to emotionally connect. So I feel like it's important for a lot of guys to know that, you know, there, there might be periods, especially at the start where, um, it's just not personal. One of the big problems I hear uh, amongst my mates is that it's the mother's job or the primary caregiver's job to enforce the rules, to set the boundaries, to decide what happens on a day-to-day basis. And men struggle with that. Like where and when do I put my voice and perspective in? Because for most of human history, Mm. men left and worked and women ran the household. Now things are changing, but we're still trapped a little bit. You have to be present constantly, even when you're not necessary. Because if you take a step back, who knows, you might never actually you know, feel connected. Yeah, exactly. And I think you've nailed it there. You just need to, I think you just need to like keep in there, you know, just stay, stay in there and keep trying to develop that connection. And that's the tough thing. It's tough because it's like you're giving and you're giving and not getting a lot in, you know, in return. But, but then, I mean, it's just to look for those little moments, those little smiles that you get, those little chuckles that you get. And, and, um, and it, yeah, I, I think it's just about that those early stages, just not to retreat and, and consider um yourself as someone that's not gonna um be as as you know, have as deep a connection. And and I mean it's funny, it it doesn't stop there. It, they will kind of take the Mickey out of you a little bit and they feel so comfortable and there's beauty even in that, um, in that in that comfort and and um yet then I I'll come home from work and 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 I, I might, you know, sort of um you know, sternly tell them that I don't, I don't want to repeat myself. And like, I've, I've heard your mum say that three times Mm. or whatever. I I think, I think it's just being content in, um, the dynamic, you know, like, and it's, it's a, look, it's a tough conversation, but, but it is, it's ever changing. It's always changing through. And I'm only up to eight years so far and, and it's changed so many times where, where I want to be the good guy, um, and, and not have to be, you know, disciplinarian. And I think it's parenthood really is just about learning to put yourself last in so many, um, ways and putting your own desires last and, and, um, just slotting into the role and the dynamic that works between you and your partner. And, and, um, yeah, it's a, look, it's, it's a tough one. It, it, and yeah, like I said, it's always changing. Absolutely. So you talked about you've had eight years of experience. For every man and woman, they have a different time period uh, in those first 10 years that they love the most. I'm really interested in what years were your favorite and which ones were the most challenging for you so far? Um, well, our, our kids are two years apart and I would have to say the most challenging was probably, I would say between three and one and five and three. It was tough having a three-year-old. You know, at any stage, sucks. Everyone says terrible twos for us. In you know, with both our kids, three was particularly tough. And then it was like something out of a movie where the heavens open and there's like when they hit (laughs) six and four, like it was almost immediate. Jules, Jules, and I just kind of turned to each other and we were like, "Hang on, what's just happened?" That our kids are playing with each other nicely and they're 
like they're, they're kind of comprehending instructions and doing things on their own and brushing their teeth and do, do, like it, 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 the world just opened up and it just became fun. Like at six and four, Ooh. something happened and we just, yeah, we just loved being parents. And I, but I must admit, it was uphill until that stage. It was really tough, especially Hudson. He's like, he has a lot of spirit, that kid, and he's a lot of energy. Um, I, I would say Archie is, he is an angel. Like our six year old, I, I can probably count on one hand how many times I've had to actually mm. tell him off. He is desperate to please and desperate to do the right thing. And I, 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 would, I would never even raise my voice at him. He is just an angel. Like he, I, one, I will look at him in a way, like I'll look at him when he's doing something that he's not supposed to and he will burst into tears because he just hates disappointing. Whereas Hudson thrives on those looks. He loves, he loves getting those looks and it spurs him <laughs> on and it's like they're just so different and... um but there's so much beauty in that difference, you know, like I look at how that um, kind of tenacious, you know, quality that, that Hudson has, that helps him in so many areas as well. And so, you know, I, I feel like I'm constantly trying not to squash their spirit, but I still need to be, have the right balance of discipline and, and teaching them respect and the important things that I guess my dad taught me. Do you think that the role of a father has changed? Like you were just talking about your father over the last two, three, four decades. Have you noticed a difference in your lifetime? Like what is a modern man supposed to be now? I guess it, it's become a lot less defined, as you, as you said, you know, like I look at Jules and she's worked throughout motherhood a lot. She, I mean, I, even if, if, if in recent times, she she doesn't stop working. She's, she's, um, you know, very, very hardworking and diligent. And, and, and I, I look at my mum, for example, she, she, um, she didn't really work. She, she sort of, um, had a, a home business as a, a, like a beauty therapist, but my dad was adamant that she stayed at home and looked after us. I mean, there was four boys and that is a, a damn tough job. Like that is seriously <laughs> hard work. Oh, it's ridiculous. Like, like, I mean, (laughs) I think when you become a parent, you you just don't see parenthood as a break. Like, like I see work as a break. Like I, I, I go on tour now and, and I know that Jules is at home and it's relentless. It it never stops. She doesn't get a break until they're in bed and asleep. Whereas I'm on tour and I'll play a show. I'll Mm. wake up, um, and I'll drive to the next town and and maybe fit in some golf during the day before sound check. And then I, I don't know. I, I think I think the dynamics changed throughout the last you know few decades quite a lot. But for the positive, I, I, I feel like um, expectations of uh, you know like are not as um, it's there's not as much pressure placed on um, role playing. You know when it comes to gender. Um, which is which is a great thing. If I gotta know, and I know you probably get asked this a lot, but is music something that matters to your children? Um, yeah, look, it, it, they love music. They absolutely adore music, and and I think look where where as a parent I kick in is trying to because I didn't grow up thinking that this was a possibility. I didn't grow up, you know, necessarily dreaming. Um, to the point where I thought it was actually 
a reality. And, and I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And it wasn't that my parents told me that, you know, they didn't tell me that it's impossible or anything. It was, they were kind of classic Asian parents that said, you know, it's a, it's very unpredictable. You probably won't make it. So make sure you study. You know, that was kind of the, that was, that was the, the, uh, you know, the, their, their way of, of, of saying, you know, have a backup plan. Um, with all good intentions. And, and uh, for me, it's almost the opposite because it's so, it, it's so tangible for my kids. It's about getting them to connect because they love music, you know, and they love singing. And um, it's about getting them to connect with um, the core reason of why I started singing. And I didn't start singing because it was a career choice for me. It was a passion and something that I, I, I realized the power of music at a very young age and, and realized that it heals people. I realized that it moves people. And, and, and so I, I think it's about instilling in them that they need to work really hard and they need to work on their craft and, and love, fall in love with music and not necessarily see it as something that pays the bills or, or something that is a career choice. And, and, um, it's a difficult thing to do. I mean, making music is so easy for them. We, we recorded a song for Jules for Mother's Day and I had them in the studio here and we recorded this version of Forever Young, but instead of singing those lyrics, um, I had the boys singing, we love you, mom, Huddy and me, we love you, mom. And it was beautiful. And, and you know, Jules was in tears. And, and so I, I don't know, it's, it's weird. As parents, like I look at my life now, and I look at the house they're growing up in and the lifestyle they live. And it's just about trying to make sure that they're humble and that they they don't take things for granted. But how do you do that when this is their life? Like I, I, I feel like I'm so grateful because I didn't grow up having Nikes or, or like, like we couldn't afford those things when we were growing up. And, and so I really appreciate things and I look after my things. And I know that's the battle for so many parents is, is, you know, when we fight out of, um, you know, making life better for ourselves, how do, how do we then make our kids appreciate stuff? It's always going to play a big role in our lives as a family, but I've, I really do want them to fall in love with music for the right reasons. So that's the challenge that's ahead for me. Oh, that's great. Last question, my friend. So at the beginning of the show, we talked about the fact that there is a stereotype that men find it difficult to connect emotionally. We spoke a little bit about your experience, but if you take yourself out of the equation, a big part of this show is to kind of figure out where we are as, as men today in 2020. So where do you think we are as a society when it comes to men being able to be emotionally connected to their children? Um, I think we're obviously improving. You know, we're, we're, we're more and more talking about the value of, of fatherhood. And, mm. um, you know, I think now, especially now, there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, uh, the, the role of, of being a dad and how it affects children and, and the effect that it has on society when, when fathers aren't present. And, and, yes. um, and so I think we're, we're moving in a very positive direction. But also I think what's the healthiest thing is that we're realizing that we need to communicate. And because at the end of the day, I can, you know, appear on this podcast and I can articulate my feelings. And I, I feel like that's a gift, you know, I, not in an arrogant way. I feel like it, like, like I'm exceptionally lucky to be able to talk about my feelings and articulate them. And, and it, 
if you're a, a male that can't do that, it's not because there's something wrong with you. I genuinely believe it's a gift. And, and, mm-hmm. and so um, I feel like it's something that we need to improve on all the time as males. If you feel like you, you struggle to get your feelings across in words, um, it, we, we need to get help. You know, we need to, to find ways to communicate how we feel so that we can improve as, as parents, as human beings. Um, but, but I think, you know, it's starting at that point that there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with a, a, a man who can't seem to get out in words how they feel. Um, but there are ways to improve on that and, and there are people that can help with that. And, um, but the most important thing is to talk about it, you know, how we want to get better as, as dads, as males, as, as husbands and, um, and as just generally as humans on this planet. And, and, um, so, yeah, I think it's great. We're, we're, we're all, um, you know, talking a, a lot about communicating and being open and, and, and not having fear to, to talk about our feelings. You know, back in the day, even when I was young, you just didn't do that. It was, yeah. you, was you know, you were called a, a, a wuss or a coward or whatever. And now I, f- I feel like, you know, even when you look at TikTok and all these different social media platforms, there's all these young guys that, that, that they're cool with it. They're, you know, it's not uncool to talk about your feelings anymore. So I think we're heading in a really positive direction. Ooh, amen to that. <laughs> well, thank you very much for chatting with me. I, I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it, Sean. Thanks heaps. And until next time, thank you. Thank you for listening along all season, and thank you for chucking archaic parenting stereotypes out the damn door. We hope we'll be back with more stories with great Australian dads soon. And if you've discovered us late, go back and listen to season one of The Dad Kit right here on Spotify. The Dad Kit is produced by Babyology and Audiocraft for Spotify. It's produced by me, Sean Zepps, and Cinnamon Nippard. Ella Walsh is our executive producer, and it is mixed by Tiffany Dimack. Listen now, only on Spotify.